0: On this Father's Day, I want to talk with you dads about living a life that leads, that truly, literally leads your kids. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Your kids may not remember you on Father's Day (laughs) or on some birthday, but they will remember how you lived your days. They will look back and have driven into their hearts and their minds How you lived your life. So it's critical that you live a life that leads your kids to Jesus. Toward Jesus Christ as Savior. Now, there's a story in the Bible that teaches us how to live in a way that leads other people to Jesus. And in this story, the disciples come to Jesus with a question... And in the answer of Jesus, he tells us how to live in a way that leads others, especially our kids, to Jesus. Take a look at this. About that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, which of us is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a small child over to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I assure you, unless you turn from your sins and become as little children... You will never get into the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And Anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who trusts in me to lose faith, it would be better for that person to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around the neck. In this story, there are three steps that Jesus wants dads and every person on this planet to take. Three steps. And when you get to the end of your life and you stand before God the Father, if these were the three things that you accomplished in life, God would be more than pleased with the life you've lived. First of all, write this one down. Living a life that leads requires turning to Jesus. Turning to Jesus. Now, if you're going to provide leadership to anyone, your spouse, others, but especially your kids, the first thing you must do as a dad is turn from sin and turn to Jesus. Now, that sounds simple, and we talk about that a lot. But Jesus says, unless you turn from your sins... And become like one of these little children, you will never, look at that, never get into what? Never get into the kingdom of heaven. That means you can go to church all your life. You can study every jot, every tittle of the word of God. You can go on mission trips. You can serve. You can do all kinds of good things. But if you don't turn from your sins and turn to Jesus, you'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. So now the twelve disciples are in a huddle, they're having this big discussion about what Jesus has just said. They just wanted him to answer their question about who's going to be the most important in the kingdom. And this wasn't the first time they'd asked Jesus this question. In fact, James and John had even sent their mother to ask Jesus this question Can can my boy sit next to you in the, in the kingdom of heaven? You know, they they were all kind of situated on this, this question who's gonna be the most important? And so like a bunch of, of boys in the school playground, they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest. So Jesus is basically saying to them here, you guys just don't get it. <laughs> you're worried about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. When what you should be worried about is if you're going to get into the kingdom. It's not who. It's this. what you should be worried about is getting in. And then Jesus tells him one criteria for getting into the kingdom. You see, when you're born into this world, you're born into the kingdom of this world. And so now you are inside the kingdom of this world. But when you were born, you were still outside the kingdom of heaven. None of us automatically become a citizen of the kingdom of God. None of us can ever say, "I oh, I've always been a Christian. <laughs> we can't say that. All of us were born into the kingdom of this world, but outside the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus is teaching his disciples how to move from outside the kingdom of heaven to inside. So the real question really is, and and you need to get this one right. How does a person enter into the kingdom of heaven? you got to get the answer to this question right, or it could cost you for all eternity. How do you get into the kingdom of heaven? Well, when the disciples are arguing about who's the greatest, Jesus, out of the corner of his eye, sees a little child, and he brings that little child right into the middle of the disciples and this discussion. And he chooses to make that little child the illustration of how a person gets into the kingdom of heaven. So he calls this little child, places him in the middle of the disciples, and he says, you've got to become like this little guy. You've got to become like this little child... If you want to get into the kingdom of heaven. And I'm sure the disciples are saying, What? (laughs) You got to study. You got to keep all the rules. You got to do all of this stuff. And they're saying, What? Why does Jesus use a little child to illustrate how a person gets into God's family, into his kingdom? I think it's because kids are just simple, they're humble, they're honest, they're trusting. They don't care about position. They don't don't care about rank. They don't care about status. The things that the disciples cared about, these little kids just don't care about. Now, some of you, when you came to church this morning, you checked one of your kids into one of their classrooms. And I promise you that when you checked them into their classrooms, they were not thinking, am I going to be the greatest kid in the class today? They were not thinking that. I promise you that your child did not look around and say, I wonder if Johnny's dad makes more than my dad makes. Now, he may have thought, why did Melanie come in a really cool Hummer and I came in a minivan? (laughs) May have thought something like that, but probably not more than that. You see, there's just something about the simplicity and honesty of a child that's endearing to all of us. We love to watch children that are filled with wonder and filled with delight as they discover life. We're intrigued by our children. But it's not only that simplicity and honesty that Jesus chose to use a child to make his point, but also because a child is trusting. Kids know how to trust. They're not born as skeptics. You see, that's why most people who turn to Jesus Christ do so before the age of 12. It's easy for kids to turn from their sins and to trust in Jesus. To forgive them and accept them into his kingdom. I was only seven years old when I walked down to an altar in a small friend's church in rural Iowa and gave my life to Jesus Christ. And it was easy to trust him. And I didn't understand everything about being a Christian. I didn't understand every jot and tittle of the Bible, but I did understand that Jesus loved me and he died for me. And that I needed his forgiveness if I wanted to live with him in heaven. But for some of us, especially as adults, the biggest barrier to entering the kingdom of heaven is our intellect. For some reason, we we want every piece of the puzzle to come together. We want every question to be answered that we've ever had about how to get into His kingdom. But Jesus is saying that getting into the kingdom of heaven is all about turning from our sin and then turning to Jesus Christ. That we walk away from our sinful ways... And we change that direction that we've been going and we start going in the direction and following the ways of Jesus. That there's truly a turning in our life. And a child, it's simple for him to become trusting in Jesus and to turn and to follow. Now to be a Christian doesn't mean you have to check your intellect in the door. There's there's plenty of credible evidence about the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That he is the son of God who died and rose from the dead. But at the end of the day, it's still a simple childlike trust that says to God, I believe. I do believe. I do put my faith and my trust in you. It's simple childlike trust that says to God, I believe in you. I turn from my sins. I place my trust in you to forgive me and cleanse me and save me and prepare a place for me in heaven after I die. Simple trust. There's a guy by the name of Thomas who was a follower of Jesus. And when Jesus was crucified, he then rose from the dead and he came back and appeared to the disciples in the upper room. But on that day, Thomas wasn't there. And when Jesus walked out, then Thomas walked in. And the disciples were all excited about seeing Jesus. And they said, Thomas, you're not going to believe this, but we've just seen the Lord. And Thomas says, you're right, I don't believe it. Unless I see the nail prints in his hands and I feel the the wound in his side, I'm not going to believe it. One week later, Jesus comes back again and he says to Thomas, look at the nail prints in my hands. Feel the scar in my side. Thomas feels the wounds and he says, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus says, Thomas, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who haven't seen me And believe anyway. Folks, one of the greatest truths about kids is they have the ability to turn from their sins and believe in Christ without seeing. Now, you may be sitting here today and saying, well, Pastor, that's just way too simple. (laughs) It can't be that easy to get into the kingdom of heaven, but it is just that simple. All you have to do is to turn from your sins, believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God who rose from the dead, and then live for Him. That's it. That's it. In fact, look at these words. The Bible says, and this is a message paraphrase, saving is all His, God's idea. And it's all His work. All we do is trust Him enough to let Him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make ourselves or save ourselves. God does the making creation of us, and the saving of us. Listen, you don't have to leave this morning questioning if you have entered the kingdom of heaven, if you are outside or inside the kingdom of heaven, if you simply believe in him and turn from your sins and invite him into your life, he will forgive your sins and allow you to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And dad's I want you to to get this deep in your soul. You cannot lead your kids to God or into the kingdom of heaven unless you have turned from your sins and have personally entered into the kingdom of heaven yourself. You cannot lead them there if you've not gone there yourself. Your kids are smart and they will pick up on it. If you want to lead them to the kingdom of heaven, you have to have your heart and life there as well. My question is, dads, have you truly turned from your sins and turned to Jesus? And I'm talking, when I ask that question this morning, have you done that completely? It's one thing to pray a prayer and start down the path with Jesus, but it's another thing to... Truly turn from those sins that you're tempted with all the time and put down those guardrails like we've been talking about and saying, not again, no more. I'm following Jesus. Have you turned from your sins completely? And are you following Jesus completely? Or are you satisfied to lead your children into all things that this world offers but the gift that Jesus offers? which is eternal life after they die. Now some dads break my heart as as I watch them lead their families. Because so often we we do our very best to lead them into success. Educational success, financial success, We're very concerned about how they look and what they wear and what they drive and how they perform in sports and music and dance and and all of those kinds of things. And we do our best to set them up for success. But it breaks my heart that those things often become first and God becomes second. And if they see Dad making those things first and more important in his life, They're going to go and follow what dad says is first and most important. And they're going to make God second. And so the way that that plays out is that you can lead your child successfully to hell. Yeah, I said it. You can set them up for success in this world and they can have all the money and clothes and stuff and and power and status and rank. And be one of the greatest in this kingdom. And they can successfully just walk right into the kingdom of hell. And as fathers and as dads, we got to live a life that leads. And that requires turning personally, completely, to Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen out of that? Amen. <laughs> amen. That's some hard stuff, but we got to think about that. Second, write this down. Then living a life that leads requires welcoming others to Jesus. Really opening our arms and welcoming other people to Jesus. Jesus says this, anyone who welcomes a little child on my behalf is welcoming me. So Jesus is saying, when, when you welcome a child of God, you're welcoming me, God. In the book of Acts, it talks about how Saul was running around and persecuting Christians, chasing them down, putting them in prison, just because they were Christians. And the Bible says that while Saul was traveling on the road to the city of Damascus, a voice out of heaven came, and the voice said this, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So Jesus confronts Paul on this road to Damascus, and he does not say, why are you persecuting Christians? Saul, why are you persecuting my followers? But no, he says, why are you persecuting me? You see, to mess with God's family, to mess with God's kids is to mess with Jesus. What Jesus is saying is it's not enough to enter the kingdom of heaven, but once you're in, you get the privilege, dads, of being a greeter. And of welcoming others who are coming in the kingdom. You need to open your arms and and not only make sure your kids are headed toward heaven. But as a dad, as a father, who else can you open your arms to? Those that you lead, those that you coach, those that you are around. Families that you are around and all kinds of the activities that you're a part of. How can you open your arms and welcome others to Jesus? Here's the good news. You can invite anyone to come into the kingdom. You could say to, to any friend, any coworker, no matter where they've been, no matter what they've done, you can say, you are welcome in the family of God, and you are welcome at my church. I think another reason that Jesus uses a child for this illustration is that kids know how to party. <laughs> you know, they not only easily turn from their sins and trust in Christ, but they easily welcome others and invite others to party with them. Shirley and I have been learning this over, once again, fresh and anew, because we host a lot of our grandchildren's parties at our house. You know, if you're the grandparents and you have the pool, that's where things happen, right? Amen? And so we're saying, well, how many do you want to invite to your party? I mean, the list goes... (laughs) When they think about a party, they just want to welcome anybody and everybody to their party. Well, when we welcome other people into the kingdom, we're to not only welcome them, we're to celebrate them. And we're to welcome and receive others into God's family. And the word receive here means to honor them like a dignitary. In a sense, we're to throw a party for everyone who enters into the kingdom of heaven. You know, a while ago there was a picture in the Orange County Register of kids uh, at Disneyland. And this was a group of kids that had come to Disneyland from the country of Uganda. And so we've got a whole group of kids now that have come from... Mud huts and dirt floors to Disneyland. And they had these huge smiles all over their faces. And, and, and they were just, just excited about what they were experiencing. What a change from mud huts and dirt floors to Disney. But when a person enters into a relationship with Jesus Christ, their look on their face is the same. The difference in their life is greater than going from a mud hut to Disneyland. Because they're not only forgiven of their sins, they've not only entered into a personal relationship with God who will never leave them or forsake them, but now they have this eternal home in God's family forever. And when they realize that, you cannot wipe the smile off of their face. And it's our job to celebrate their entrance into the kingdom of heaven. We're to party with them. And that's why that when we baptize somebody who's come to Christ, that's entered the kingdom... We go out and we have them write and read their testimony for all of us and we're all gathered around and then we water baptize them out there in the courtyard and what do we do? We celebrate, we whoop it up, we yell, we, we take pictures, we party with them, we celebrate how they've come into the kingdom of heaven. The Bible says this, that's the kind of party God's angels throw every time one lost soul turns to God. Folks, if our church is known for anything, it ought to be known as a place where people are welcome and where we party with those who come to Christ. In the Old Testament book of 2 Kings, the city of Samaria is under siege and they're surrounded by their enemy and their supplies are cut off and people in the city are starving. There were four lepers who sat at the city gate who said, Why do we keep sitting here? Maybe Let's just go to our enemy camp and maybe they'll feed us and maybe they'll let us live. We're dying here. We might as well go there. And so those four lepers go to the enemy camp, but to their shock, when they get there, nobody's there. And so what they find there, though, is food and horses and clothes, everything they need to survive. And they begin to eat and drink, and they've got everything they need, and they're having a great time. And they even begin to take some stuff outside the camp in case the enemy comes back. So if they'd have more left for later... You see, the Lord had allowed the enemy to hear, like, chariots thundering coming towards their camp. And they ran off and left the camp, and the camp was empty. And so these four lepers, they're having a party. They're just enjoying eating up. But then finally, one of the lepers says, this is not right. This is wonderful news, and we're not sharing it with anybody. Come on. Let's go back and tell the people at the palace. Listen. When you have news that will save lives, it's not right to keep it to yourself. Amen? Amen. Oh, come on. Amen? Amen. (laughs) We've got the good news of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And as dads and as moms and as church family, we need to open our arms and welcome others into the kingdom of God. What a privilege we have to say to the world and to our kids, we've got something awesome to offer you. It's a gift like no other gift. It's eternal life. And Paul says, So reach out and welcome one another to God's glory. Jesus did it. Now you do it. What are some of the practical ways we can do that? Well, we try to create a welcoming environment here each Sunday. We try to let people know that we're glad that that they're here. We try to invite people into a small group so they can begin to really experience belonging to a family of God. But Jesus says, Whenever you welcome one of these... Understand, you're welcoming me. You're welcoming me. Whenever you invite and welcome and receive and celebrate a child, or an adult who's just turned from their sins and trusted Christ, or an adult who's who's searching for God with childlike faith, Jesus says, when you welcome them into your church family, you are actually welcoming me. Living a life that leads requires, first of all, turning to Jesus, Dads. Then opening your arms and saying, my work's not done. (laughs) There's more for me to welcome. And then third, write this down. Living a life that leads requires leading others to live like Jesus. You know, it can be really frustrating trying to lead our children into a relationship with Christ and then lead them to live in the way Jesus wants them to live. That can be hard. It's not easy. To teach all of that and to live all of that. But the last verse in this passage shows us what really counts in God's book. Look at this. Jesus says this. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Now, for those of us who are parents, we understand that God has entrusted to us the children in our family. We understand that we have a responsibility To do the very best we can to teach our children how to live like Jesus. And part of that means being a Christ-like leader in your home. Your kids need to see in you what it looks like to live like Jesus. So my question is, dads, what are they seeing in you? And are you doing those things that you know are important for any Christian to do? Are you getting on your knees and praying with your kids at bedtime? Are you listening to their needs and lifting them up in prayer and showing the mercy and love of God for them? Are you reading the scriptures to them as you sit around the table and having family dinners or meals? Dads, are you leading your family and living like Jesus? And then are you going out into the world and living with integrity and honesty and purity and all of those things that Jesus is? Are you living a life like Jesus? That means being a leader for your family and a leader for Jesus in the world. And beyond that, all of us who are part of the Canyon Hills family, we have the same responsibility in our church God is saying, I want you to take seriously this thing of being a leader for others who are coming along behind you. Some are are new to their faith and some are just getting started. God wants you to be a model for those that are new to Christ and his church and to lead them in the ways of the Lord. Now, I, I think there's another person, another reason why Jesus uses a child to illustrate this point because kids are easily influenced. And newer Christians are easily influenced. And because that's true, we have a responsibility to do our best to live biblically. To do our best to live in a healthy, Christian, Christ-like manner. So Paul says this, let us stop criticizing each other. Instead, we should decide never to do anything that would make other Christians, we could say our kids, have doubts or lose their faith. Now, you know what the issue is here? It's all about not doing anything that would cause anyone else to stumble. And if you're doing something in your life that would cause them to question God or lose their faith, it's it's not a biblical posture for you to take to say, what I do is my business. It's just between me and God. That's not a biblical stance for a Christian. No, God is calling you to live for others, and that means the right kind of role model. Being the right kind of leader. Because someone is watching you. Someone is following you. Someone, whether you like it or not, is taking their cues from your life. From your living. So we've got to be careful. You may not be aware of this, but before person becomes a, a friend's pastor, we have to agree to live by certain guidelines, and one of the guidelines when I was ordained or recorded as a friend's pastor that I signed off on was that I would abstain from all alcohol, and I've told you that before, and, and so I've agreed to that, and I've done that my entire life, and, and so I've never drank, and I never will drink, and a lot of drink, and, and maybe it sounds like I am right now, <laughs> And as I say that, sometimes, occasionally, people throw rocks at me and say, but that's not a biblical stance. The Bible doesn't say thou shalt not drink. That's true. We know that. But with the kind of wreckage that we see in our culture due to alcohol, and because of the number of people in our church who are still trying to recover from a life of alcohol and hurt caused by it, we feel it's the right... (coughs) leadership decision to just not do it and so that if that means giving something up that's a small price to pay to be the kind of leaders that God wants us to be and the truth is this you are leading somebody dads your kids are watching you you are leading your kids and that means you need to follow the example of Christ and lead like him and it's never too late to start. If you've messed up to this point, you can say, my life has been a mess. Well, start now. The Apostle Paul says this, you should follow my example just as I follow Christ. He's saying, I'm living and leading like him. You can even follow me. And wouldn't that be awesome to be able to say that to your kids? Follow me, because I'm living just like Jesus. Well, <laughs> that's, that's a tall order. But wouldn't that be awesome if we could say, I'm following Jesus just the way that He wants me to? We need to, we live in such a broken world with such few examples to follow. In the church, we need dads who will live and lead like Jesus. If we have any hope of reclaiming the next generation, it's going to be because Dads made a decision to be really good examples and good leaders. And lots of of children and lots of people won't follow what we say, but when they see us live it, and they see the great work it's done in our lives, and how it really works out for us, and how we have abundant joy, and abundant peace, and abundant life that Jesus promised, then they're going to say, I know where to get it. Even if they haven't been following the way they should, they know where to get it because of how you lived. They just need to see real Christians who really love Jesus, who are really living the way He calls them to live, who really experience the joy-filled Christian life that Christ offers all of us. Paul says this, don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Be an example to all believers in what you teach, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. What a great set of criteria that is for being a good example. So the question is, is there anything in your life about which you'd have to say, unless I change this, it could cause somebody to stumble. Unless I change this in my life, it could cause one of my children to stumble. If I'm going to be the leader God wants me to be, I need to let this thing go. Is there anything like that in your life? The Bible says this, people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them, but the disciples rebuked them, and Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Closing question I have for you is this. Dads, would you in childlike faith come to Jesus today if you never have? Would you let this be the day that you turn your sins and completely turn to him or dads would you begin to live a life that leads others to Jesus Christ today would you be the one who opens your arms and welcomes others lets them know about the good news and then lives a life that can be seen and people will know that you're living for Jesus let's pray You know, living a life that leads requires turning to Jesus, walking into the kingdom through Jesus, welcoming others, leading others to live like Him. I guess I'd like to close and say it like this. Write a book with your life on how to live for Jesus. Write a book with your life on how to live like Jesus. If you do that, you'll be living a life that leads others to Him and life with Him in heaven. Your kids may never remember your Father's Day or your birthday, but they will remember how you lived your days. Let's pray. Would you like to pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it? If you'd like to turn from your sins and believe in Christ, would you pray, Lord, I turn from my sins today. Forgive me. I believe in You. I place my trust in you as Savior and Lord. I accept your gift of forgiveness. I accept your gift of entrance into your kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. Best that I know how, I'll live for you. And if you're already a Christian, a follower of Christ, would you just simply pray, Father, help me lead those who are following me into living like you. Father, this is an awesome responsibility that we have. Whether we're dads or moms or Christians who may not even have children, we have this awesome responsibility to live a life that leads. By the power of your Spirit, Lord, help us, enable us To live that kind of life, we pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said...